This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's it, $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. All right, welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. I'm treading on very uh, troubled waters right now with this title, Who Killed Jesus? Because as a person who was, is born Jewish, is Jewish, uh, etc. It's a very sensitive topic because as a child growing up in New York, uh, I was often attacked, as were my fellow kids, Jews, saying, you killed our Lord, you killed Jesus. I didn't even know what it meant. So for centuries, Jews have been blamed for having killed Jesus. And as I got older and I became interested in this subject and the subject of God and religion and things of that nature, I looked into this and I discovered something, which is that, of course, it was the Romans, more specifically, who crucified Jesus in the action of the Roman governor of Roman Judea, Pontius Pilate. He ordered the crucifixion of Jesus, which was a typical form of execution and torture in those horrible times. But it's also true, 
that the Jewish assembly or council known as the Sanhedrin, an assembly of 71 elders known as rabbis after the destruction of the Second Temple, they were the tribunal that sat in that city as they did in every city in the ancient land of Israel. And it was the 71 elders who voted as to whether or not Jesus should be crucified. Here is the important point of today's discussion. It was not all 71 who voted to crucify Jesus. It was a majority of the uh, elders in the Jewish community who voted to crucify Jesus. And what is the point I'm trying to make? Is that even then, there was a minority of Jewish people who didn't go along with the majority of Jewish people not only in the decision to crucify Jesus, but in all other decisions. Just as today, when I hear the word Jewish liberal, my hair stands up because I'm a Jewish conservative. And I do not want to be lumped in with all of the left-wing fanatics who are destroying so much of our nation. I'll be very clear. Everywhere I turn, it's another Jewish liberal mocking, spitting on this nation, And I can't take it anymore. Am I trying to say I'm different? Yeah, I am different. And I meet Jewish people who say, I can't believe it. It's another Jew doing this, another Jew doing that. And you don't have to look too far in the Biden administration to see so many left-wing Jews doing things that offend us as patriots, as nationalists. And you should know, again, when I say to people, Look, it wasn't all Jews who voted to crucify Jesus. It was a majority in the great Sanhedrin, 71 judges, who voted to crucify Jesus. But even in ancient days, there was a minority amongst the Sanhedrin who said, do not crucify Jesus. And I say to my conservative Jewish friends, you are amongst the minority of Jews today, the conservative Jews, who would vote, do not crucify Jesus, just as we vote, do not crucify America. I know this is a very difficult subject, and when I talk about who killed Jesus, I realize it's going to trigger an awful lot of anti-Jewish flavor in the uh, commentary, but that's to be expected amongst uneducated people, unread people, bigoted people. And I hope that you understand that when I explain to you that the Sanhedrin trial of Jesus which was a Jewish judicial body of 71 judges, the so-called Jewish Supreme Court, it was a majority, yes, who said crucify Jesus, but not all voted to say crucify a Jesus. So it's important for you to know that because today we're facing another problem here in America, which is that so many people who are overtly and prominently Jewish, meaning with Jewish names, Jewish liberals, who use Judaism as a weapon, against people, anyone who disagrees with them, they scream anti-Semitism, which is just a trick. They are very much like Al Sharpton, who uses his race as a weapon, in my opinion, simply to, to extort companies with the civil rights uh, mumbo-jumbo, like he's taking a, a big attack on McDonald's now for being anti-black. It's unbelievable to me how he gets away with it. So again, there are people who use their religion and use their race and use their sexual orientation to uh, get over on others. And that is why I decided to do this today. Uh, The topic is very incendiary, who killed Jesus? And again, I will summarize for those of you who didn't hear the whole thing. Very clearly, the Romans crucified Jesus. It was a result of the vote of Pontius Pilate, P-I-L-A-T-E, the governor of Roman Judea, who said, yes, crucify him. However, this was based upon the vote of the Sanhedrin, the majority vote of the Sanhedrin, an assembly of 71 elders known as rabbis after the destruction of the Second Temple. But not all the rabbis voted to crucify Jesus. Only a majority voted. And so there was a a minority of Jewish rabbis who said, no, don't crucify him. Don't. Just as today a minority of Jews say, don't. Don't push this destruction of America. Don't continue to flood America with illegal aliens. Stop worshiping the bums in the streets like they're sacred, and so forth and so on. Borders, language, culture, many of us agree with this. 
And just as we are divided here in America, Israel itself today is divided in a battle that could result in a civil war. It's an ancient battle going on in Israel right now. And what is this battle in Israel that's going on? In a, in a short version, you have the Israeli Supreme Court, which has been acting like the Sanhedrin, like they are the ultimate judge of that society. And they got away with it because there were liberals running Israel. Now that Netanyahu has won again and become prime minister, they're fighting with him because they don't want to give up any of their power to him and to the government of Israel, which is conservative under Netanyahu. They want to retain all the power for themselves. Again, a battle of ancients occurring in modern times. In this podcast, we're also going to include several programs or shows or broadcasts that I did in the last few days. I was very deeply into a religious quest, a religious understanding, and I did two YouTube appearances, one on Saturday morning, one called This, and another one on Sunday about war. And I'm including them in this podcast in the context of the title that I have offered you today. Just remember that if you search the Christian Gospels themselves, the narratives of who killed Jesus vary. And some show a tendency to minimize the actions of the Roman who uh, did it and emphasize the responsibilities of the Jews in the decision to crucify Jesus, okay? But I will tell you that according to my readings, it was a majority of the rabbis in the Sanhedrin who said, yes, crucify Jesus, and they turned them over to the Romans to do the job. But there was a minority of Jews who said, do not crucify Jesus, just as today there are a minority of Jewish people who do not go along with the liberal program. I hope this has helped you understand what went on in ancient times, what is going on again in modern times, and that not all Jews are this, not all blacks are that, not all Irish are this, not all Italians are that, not all uh, Africans are this way. You see what I'm saying? And I'll conclude with a little bit of a jest, and it's true. I told my neighbor recently that many of us are ashamed by the actions of these liberal Jews who are so outspokenly brazen in their contempt for America and for this country that we get sick when we hear it and we see that there's a Jewish name attached to it. So I told him that I once was in an Irish bar in San Francisco and we had this kind of loud discussion about this very topic. And an Irish guy stood up and said, Michael, don't be ashamed of the Jewish liberals. He said, if you think Jewish liberals are bad, that's because you never met an Irish liberal. And I got a kick out of that one. And then an Italian guy in the bar stood up and laughed and he said, Michael, don't be ashamed of the Jewish liberals that you have to apologize for. He said, you have not yet met Italian liberals if you think that Jewish liberals are bad. And of course, there's a great tradition of anarchy in uh, the modern Italian community. You just look up Sacco and Vanzetti. And so my friends, in every culture, in every religion, in every race, there are good, there are bad, there are conservatives, there are liberals. And so I hope I've given you a new view on this very incendiary subject of who killed Jesus, and you will also, and that you will also enjoy the two pieces I did called Forgiveness and War, only on the Michael Savage podcast. Thank you for listening. Share it with 10 others. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So yesterday I did a YouTube piece entitled Forgiveness, and it was extremely popular for some reason. I guess one word is better than many in a world of Sometimes one word says more than a thousand words. Pardon me, I'm so upset this morning. Headline, 
So yesterday I said something is in the air. Do you remember I said that to you? I feel that there's a vacuum in the universe. Something's going to happen. I wake up this morning. Ukraine delivers devastating blow to Russian military in Crimea. Reports say level four emergency declared in Sevastopol. I know most of the <clears throat> war news is propaganda. I know most of it's run by the vermin in the media who are pure propagandists. But I can't deny that this might be true. Unknown drone hit Russian oil depot in Sevastopol, occupied Crimea, Ukraine. So they're cheering on war from uh, Ukraine. And I said, I have to say something about this. Say, well, what difference can you make? None. Let me be very clear. I have zero influence, zero power, none. I'm one man alone crying in the wilderness to stop this insanity. Get the corpse in a wheelchair out of there and put someone in who can save the world, not the ice cream liquor in a wheelchair. He's in a mental wheelchair. The leader of the free world doesn't know where he is, can't talk to children without a cheat sheet. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? If you can hear me now, you've got a comment. There you go. So last night, before going to bed, I picked up a book because I'm going to be interviewing this former Navy SEAL very shortly on the Michael Savage podcast. Jack Carr, new novel, Only the Dead. It doesn't read as well as the book that I liked before, but there's passages in here I'm going to read to you. He did term, The Terminalist, which I, I, I just couldn't believe how well done that was, you know, the movie version of that. But when I realized that the author, Jack Carr, is the real deal, Navy SEAL. 20 years as a U.S. Navy SEAL. Gakkar, former Navy SEAL who led special ops teams as a team leader, platoon commander, troop commander, task unit commander. That's good enough for me. It's good enough for me that Jack Carr has been there and knows what war can do and he's anti-war. How's that? But you, who have never been to war, you're cheering on the corpse in a wheelchair. You're cheering on Jake Sullivan. You're cheering on these warmongering who will kill us all. Not one of them has been in the military. And they're cheering on Ukraine to provoke Russia into a nuclear re retaliation, which is going to happen. I told you there was a vacuum in the universe. I felt something was coming. Well, this is not the something. This is the trigger of something. Am I alone? If it was just me, I wouldn't even be doing this this morning. I'm not making any money for this. What am I doing this for? To be a moron? I'm doing it to entertain you. What difference can one man make with a relatively small audience? I don't know, but we all have to speak out. If a billion of us stood up and said, stop this madness, get the corpse in a wheelchair out of there, put somebody in there with brains, the corpse in chief. So I have to tell you this. You see behind me, I moved it a little forward. One of my props that I've had since radio days. So I pick up the book last night. It, you know, it's, it's fiction written by a Navy SEAL who's real. And it's okay. And then all of a sudden I come to chapter two and I, I see it's a political book. And it um, starts like this. The war in Ukraine was not going well from a tactical perspective. It's talking about the Russian position. From a strategic perspective, it had succeeded beyond their expectations. The Americans were drawn in, funding the corrupt Ukrainian government at levels unheard of, even at the height of their follies in Iraq and Afghanistan. Unfortunately, the brinksmanship of the Cold War was back. Nuclear options were on the table. Wow, how do you like that? How do you like that? Written by a Navy SEAL, not by me. Maybe you'll listen finally and wake up to the fact that we have psychotics, sex maniacs running the country and running the whole West right now. They're obsessed with one thing, sex, trans, sex, trans, gay, trans, sex, sans, trans, dans, dans, dance, sex, trans, sex. So in this novel, Only the Dead by Jack Carr, he goes on. America had turned in on itself, he writes, as social media erupted with conspiracy theories, all building on the internal division the Americans had proven so adept at creating among themselves. Race riots, rampant inflation, a dependence on foreign energy sources, what amounted to an open border, even distrust in their own elections results, 
elections that had once been the model for emerging democratic republics the world over, he writes. They could agree upon nothing. They were eating their own victims of their own success. This is written from the perspective of a Russian leader who's watching this happen. What the Americans were fond of calling their greatest generation had fought and built the United States into a beacon of democratic ideals. The current generation had inherited the greatness, that greatness only to squander the sacrifices of generations past. It was good that Americans placed no value on history, he goes on. Had they picked their heads up from their social media posts, they might have had time to read about the fate that befell the Roman Empire and realize they were on the same path. How many times have I said the same thing? Am I alone? No. All people who know history see we're repeating history because we have fools who do not know their own history. They are repeating it. Fools, degenerates, sex maniacs, deviants, psychotics. I'll go on. From Jack Carr, Only the Dead. Navy SEAL, not Michael Savage, talk show host, podcaster. Navy SEAL, 20 years, been there, done that. Maybe he knows something you don't know. Had they learned nothing from the collapse of the Soviet Union? They kept spending money they didn't have, throwing gasoline on the coals of inflation, ostensibly increasing the gap between the rich and poor intentionally. They couldn't seem to find a war they didn't like. Politicians on both sides of the aisle, amen, that McCall from Texas is worse than Biden. Politicians on both sides of the aisle, encouraged in no small part by the defense industry lobbyists. Sound familiar to you, Lindsey Graham, who supported them? voted for massive spending bills and supported the corrupt regime in Ukraine. I'm reading from the book. Billions of tax dollars. Fools. Their defense industry had reaped incredible profits over America's two-decade misadventure in Afghanistan and Iraq. Those profit and growth projections were on a trajectory that must not be allowed to wane. A war in Ukraine would help. New NATO countries were required to purchase NATO-compatible armaments, just the thing to keep the gravy train flowing. Now you understand the push for NATO, don't you? you? Now you know why? Their corporate media knew a good thing when they saw it. Even pundits who years earlier had been up in arms against the invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq now called for the United States to unconditionally support Ukraine. Anyone who asked uncomfortable questions about that support of the possibility of auditing exactly where U.S. tax dollars were going, was immediately labeled a, quote, Russian apologist or Russian agent or was doing Russia's uh, bidding. You, you haven't seen that? Now you know why they got rid of Tucker. It had nothing to do with anything but that he was anti-war. Did you know that? Because if you look at the interlocking corporate directorships, which I've been trying to tell you about for only 30 years now, interlocking corporate directorships, Who's on the board of News Corporation? You think it's only the Murdochs? Look at who's on the board of News Corporation. Then look who's on the board of Lockheed Martin. Look who's on the board of defense manufacturers. And see if any of the directors are on the board of News Corporation as well. Do you follow the bouncing dollar yet? You still think it's about politics. It's about money. Anyone who asked any questions about where the tax dollars were going was immediately labeled a Russian apologist or Russian agent who was doing Russia's bidding. A blue and yellow flag became almost mandatory in American social media profile pictures. And hashtag support Ukraine littered the posts of Americans who just months prior couldn't find the former Soviet Socialist Republic on a map. Virtue signaling was the flavor of the day. I have a neighbor with a Ukrainian flag. Uh, beyond belief. He doesn't even know where Ukraine is. The Congressional Progressive Caucus even quietly rescinded a letter they had sent to the American president months earlier urging for a negotiated end to the war in Ukraine by working directly with Russia. That wouldn't help defense industry profits. The lobbyists had done their jobs. The war machine rumbled on. The lobbyists and lawyers were well worth the investment. So now remember, I'm reading from Jack Carr's novel. It's not even out yet called Only the Dead. He'll be on my Michael Savage podcast very shortly. I've been waiting for him for months, but he had to finish the book and get it out. I'll read now. Again, this is from the Russian perspective. The U.S. sanctions had the opposite purported effect. Regardless of what politicians in Washington, D.C. continue to say on cable news, or Jake Tapper, the biggest government agent in history, Jake Tapper, a disgrace to the human race, Russia's central bank posted an account surplus 
in the first half of the year of more than $110 billion. The ruble was now the strongest it had been in close to a decade. And the nation, meaning Russia, was posting a massive trade surplus. You don't know any of this. Because all you do is listen to the news, you idiots, you. The nation was posting a massive trade surplus. That's Russia, not us. Billions of dollars higher than before the special operation to retake Ukraine began. Russia's exports now exceeded its imports, creating an inflow of domestic currency. The exact opposite was happening in the United States under the corpse in a wheelchair. No wonder the entrenched Washington political elite wanted to distract the populace with the Russian menace, even if it was a world away in Ukraine. The Americans were fools, he writes. But were they foolish enough to push Russia into a nuclear conf confrontation? That remained to be seen. In the first hundred days of the war, the Russian Federation made $98 billion in U.S. dollars from energy exports and was currently bringing in over a billion dollars every day. Would the American public even care that billions belonging to Russia's elite were invested in the same companies that poisoned their children and divided their nation? They hardly noticed when a former president received $500,000 for a 2010 speech at the Renaissance Capital Bank in Moscow when his wife was serving as Secretary of State. Bingo, ring the bell. She opposed sanctions on Russia back then, and her family made half a million dollars for a 45-minute speech, for which Dashkov was in attendance. The speech was quite forgettable, something about global cooperation. Let me just go on and finish this up, because the title of this morning podcast on this sermon on this Saturday morning is War, something you're not going to hear in a synagogue today or in a church tomorrow. Synagogues and churches have become nothing. Bagels and locks for the Jews, and uh, holy water and uh, wafers for the Christians. Bagels and locks for the Jews on Saturday morning, and wafers for the Catholics on Sunday morning. Not one word about war and peace. The pulpits are given over totally, almost 100%, to uh, sexual issues. The family is dead in the churches and synagogues. It means nothing. And what of America? She had once been a respected foe. Now the once great nation teetered on the brink of a precipice. The weakest she had been since her rise in the dark days of the Great Patriotic War. America had ushered the world into a new age by dropping two atomic weapons on Japan. They remained the only nation on earth to have used offensive atomic weapons, in case you don't know that. The arms race that followed saw the creation and testing of nuclear weapons 6,000 times more powerful than those used on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. 6,600 times more powerful. Jake Sullivan, do you hear any of this? Or are you laughing at me? Where's Millie, the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Where, where, is the, where are these people? Nuclear weapons 6,600 times more powerful than those used on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1944. Russia had only recently declassified information on that Tsar bomber a 50-megaton test conducted over the Novaya Zemla Islands in the Arctic in 1961. 50-megaton test. Dashkov had read the classified reports from Lawrence Livermore National Lab, that's right over the bay, and knew the United States had been in the early stages of developing a 10,000-megaton bomb, a weapon it was said would contaminate the Earth. Isn't that great? Yay, Ukraine! Go Zelensky! Yay! 50 megatons! Go Zelensky! It was a wonder anyone survived the U.S. and Soviet nuclear tests in the 50s and 60s. That's an important line right there. I'm not so sure that it didn't contaminate the minds of a whole generation, the nuclear fallout. We'll go into that another time. I once wrote a novel that's not been published about the French nuclear tests, by the way, in the uh, Eastern Polynesian atolls. It was a great novel, never got published, never. I forget the name of it. I think I'm going to go try to find it in my archives before I give it over to the university library. Though France, the United Kingdom, India, Pakistan, Israel, Iran, North Korea, and China all had nuclear weapons at their disposal. It's interesting, he's writing as though Iran already has nuclear weapons. It was only the arsenals of the U.S. and Russia that could destroy the world many times over. One last line from this novel that struck me. I haven't gotten very far. The free exchange in the marketplace of ideas, ideas, not ideas. The free exchange, that's George Bush would say ideas. The free exchange in the marketplace of ideas 
the very foundation that had made America such a formidable adversary during the Cold War was a thing of the past. All it took was planted digital and physical evidence. The Russian assets took care of the rest. We have no longer free exchange in the marketplace of ideas. I want to remind you, all you dear lovers of freedom out there, that I was banned in Britain in 2009 for things I didn't even say. I was the canary in the coal mine, and people on Fox News who are cheering on the war right now cheered when I was banned in Britain because they're louts, they're vermin, and they pose as conservatives, and you don't even know it. But the controlled opposition is more dangerous for this country than the left-wingers are. It's a Saturday morning, and I shouldn't have even done this. Unknown drone hit Russian oil depot in Sevastopol, occupied Crimea. Enjoy, says Ukraine frontline. They're cheering it on. Ukraine delivers devastating blow to Russian military in Crimea. Level four emergency declared in Sevastopol. Isn't that wonderful? Massive drone strike on Crimea, devastating blow. How do you like that? Let's see the Murdochs. Uh, oh, he's got a woman's ass on it. Of course, Murdoch, true to form. New, a, a picture of a girl's ass. That, that's the New York Post website. That's Murdoch. That's Murdoch for you. Ma Biden blasts MAGA Republicans as the real problem at DNC reception. That would mean anyone who opposes war. Well, I'm proud to tell you I'm a MAGA Republican. So my friends can talk about TikTok challenges, pictures of girls' behinds on the New York Post website, fakers like Bill Maher, who was a communist left-wing mouthpiece for the degenerate corrupt uh, HBO not, suddenly makes believe he's a conservative because he sees which way the wind is blowing. What a faker he is. Oh, well, I don't want to read any more of these stupid headlines, but there they are. There's, by the way, Fox News isn't even reporting the, 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 the uh, attack at Crimea. Look at this. Bud Light forced to pay up heavily as company reels from Dylan Mulvaney backlash. You hear? A psychotic. They hire a psychotic man who thinks he's a woman to be on a beer can. They wonder what's going to happen. They think Eddie's going to keep drinking that crappy beer. I actually would drink it once in a while. But I will never, I'll never drink it again. I don't drink beer right now anymore, but that's irrelevant. What's relevant is war and peace. And today I have given you a follow-up to yesterday's sermon on YouTube called Forgiveness. Today's is 20 minutes, and I'm painting with a brush. Again, painting with a brush for you. I told you at the end of yesterday's YouTube piece, I sensed something was coming, that there was a vacuum in the world. And this attack on Crimea by Ukraine, which is being reported, is not what I sensed is coming. What I sensed is coming is still coming as a result of this attack on Crimea. Because if you think Russia is not going to retaliate in a bigger way, then you're listening to the wrong guy on YouTube. Go listen to The Corpse in a Wheelchair or Jake Sullivan or Jake Tapper or Wolf Blitzer or the other government agents. Go focus on somebody's abs or some tattooed girl's shoulders. See if I care. My friends, that's all I have to say today, tonight's, this morning's piece. I contemplated as I was getting ready to do that. I, didn't, I wasn't even planning on doing it. I've got a Newsmax TV show to do later, a five-minute piece I do every Saturday. It's not going to be on the war. It'll be on some other topic. And I was, uh, I ate a snack and had my coffee and I was going to go on a bike ride, a short one. And something was compelling me to speak again to you today. I said, well, what difference is it going to make? Let's say five or 10,000 people see this YouTube piece. What difference does that make? I don't know. What difference does that make? What if the five or 10,000 people who are listening to this spoke to five or 10,000 people, meaning one each, and said, we've got to stop the war madness. We've got to stop it before we all die, before we incinerate the earth. We've got to stop Jake Sullivan. We've got to stop Jake Tapper. We've got to stop all the Jakes of the world. We've got to stop the Brandons. We've got to stop the lies. If all 10,000 of you, or however many, will listen to this unknown podcaster, Michael Savage, would step up and say something and I don't care if you voted for Biden. I don't care if you voted for uh, Trump. It doesn't matter. Say something to someone today on a, on a checkout line. I've told you this for years. If you're on a checkout line in a supermarket, say, we got to stop this war. We got to stand for peace. Just say that. Just say that. 10,000 talks to 10,000. 
who talked to another 10,000 and before, the mutations and permutations and combinations will spread like a wildfire and maybe, just maybe, the corpse in a wheelchair will be motivated to stop talking about something other than those of us who want peace as though we are the enemies of this nation. We're living in very terrifying times. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Please spread the word. I'm not Putin's stooge. I'm God's stooge. I'm not Putin's mouthpiece. I'm God's mouthpiece. I'm not an agent of Putin. I'm an agent of God. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Frankly, there's a lull somewhere in the universe. I sense a lull. Something's going on. I have deep intuition about things. I have my whole life, I believe. I think we all do, or we wouldn't survive another day. I sense something's happening. You know, many times I've said, God sees the truth but waits. I was quoting a secular writer. If you're out there, I'm seeing your comments. Let me start by saying, for those of you who want to mock me, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Because I myself am not without sin. And so why am I doing this? I don't know. I'm doing it because I've been thinking about what's going on in America and how could we have degenerated so rapidly, so quickly. How could we have normalized such perversion? such crime, such pervasive drug use as the norm so quickly? How could we have erased our borders, bastardized our language, and stepped on our culture so quickly? How could a man who was apparently a senile disruptor, who may just be playing a role, have gotten us to this point in such a short period of time? Now, don't think I'm saying Republicans are the answer. There were Democrats who were excellent presidents, not for a very long time. This is not a political law piece. You know what this is today? It's a spiritual piece. I received a group of books in the mail that I had donated to a synagogue. And frankly, I'm not a religious person. You could say I'm spiritual. I know this. I know not. I know God exists, but I'm not a formally religious person. I've tried, and I've tried many roads. My original road was Judaism. I used to be bored to death during these long prayer sessions as a young boy, the things we did to keep ourselves awake. I remember my friend that I, he was more as bored as I was, but he was a little gutsier than I was. He would do crazy things in the, in the school, the religious school. He would tear up tissue paper into little pieces, and he'd get so bored listening to the on and on and on, the young rabbi, you know, lecturing us in Hebrew. And he would throw, and we had vents, heat that would come up from the floor. You know, hot air heat. And it was Christmas, you know, like winter outside. So my friend, out of boredom, would throw the tissue paper on, over the vent, and the tissues would go up in there and then come down. He'd say, Rabbi, look, it's snowing inside here. He was a great, crazy guy. Of course, the young rabbi would go berserk and throw him out into the just get out of here. So I was bored by it myself. And what happened is I turned my back on my own religion. And I became a wanderer. I've been in St. Patrick's Cathedral on a Christmas Eve. I've been in Fijian villages chanting on Yangona. I've been in Buddhist temples in Marin County. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. And what does it come down to? You tell me. What does it come down to for you? So when you think about it, those of you who have turned your back on your religion, whether you be Jewish, Christian, Muslim, you could say I'm a, lap, a lapsed Catholic, for example. And you say it with a certain degree of respect for your original religion, but you say you don't follow the rules. Or the, the Jewish people have turned their back on their religion. What, have they, what do they say? What are they? They turn their back and they move away from their own people. And where do they wind up? Nowhere. They wind up like a leaf in a stream. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they are. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. 
And that is why religion continues to survive and actually thrive in many communities around the world. It's because most people need a structure and a formal structure at that in order to hold on to reality. Otherwise, what you have is America today, where a boy with a penis can make believe he's a girl, go in a girl's locker room and beat up a girl who says, get out of here. And instead of throwing him in prison where he belongs, the psychotics under Joe Biden arrest the girl for saying, get out of the locker room with your penis showing. I'm trying to be very graphic, otherwise you won't listen to me. The whole world understands how psychotic this country has become under the senile disruptor. Is he this, a symptom of the disease or is he the disease himself? At a certain point, it's hard to tell the difference. So as I was saying, and this might be much longer than I intended it to be on this Friday afternoon for me on the West Coast, I donated a group of prayer, a, 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 a bunch of prayer books for a local Jewish temple. I was trying to do good. I wanted to do some good for the people. Okay. You try to do in your own way, a, a little bit here and a little bit there. So I figured, okay, how can I do it? I'll atone for my sins by donating money for prayer books. So I myself don't open them up much, but in the prayer books for the high holidays, which are not around till September, the 10 days of awe from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, there's a book called the Selichot, Selichot, Prayers for Forgiveness book. I never even looked at it. I was one of those temple goers who didn't, you know, you'd look in the book and you'd find a word here and a line there and you'd think you got something out of it. You'd go home and be the same human you were before. I said, what is this stuff? What does this Selichot mean? What is this book? A whole book in the middle of the prayers? For what? I read about it. It's, a, it's about uh, prayers for forgiveness, 13 attributes of mercy, which God revealed to Moses at Sinai as the key to forgiveness. So well, what does this really mean? So I looked at it. I thought I'd share it with you. Now, I know many of you want to turn it off already because it's, you thought there'd be something more to this. That's not so preachy. And I know that you can't be preachy in America. Only the left can be preachy. For 30, 40 years, they said, don't be judgmental while they were judging you and destroying all judgment whatsoever. Let me go back. All of the people who've destroyed America started by saying to those of you who still had the brain for judgment said, don't be judgmental while they were judging you for judging their behavior. Get it? How they love it? See how it works. Don't be judgmental. Remember all of the preachers in the 60s, the, the white liberal women who became mean-faced, clipped-haired, degenerate, sickos of the worst kind and ushered in the degeneracy, the crime wave, the sickness, and the brink of nuclear war that we have now? Don't be judgmental. If you were not judgmental in your life for one second, your life would end. Let me start again. Yes, be judgmental. Start by judging yourself friend. Yes, I could call this sermon, not forgiveness, but be judgmental. And start first by judging yourself, not the other man, not the other person. There's not a person on earth who is holy. The prayer book says there is no person so righteous on earth that he does good and never sins. Let me repeat that for all of you who are holier than thou myself included. There is no person so righteous on earth that he does good and never sins. Wow. Think about that. So God, God looks at us. He knows we're fallen creatures and we're always, you know, always making a mistake and we're always trying to come back from it. Book goes on. Listen to this. Sin is catastrophic. It separates one from God. I mean, this is a, a sentence that's I could spend hours talking with you about this one sentence to show you the wisdom of the ages. There is no person so righteous on earth that he does good and never sins. I know many of you Christians out there agree with me. I know those of you who are Bible believers agree with me. Sin is catastrophic, it is written. It separates one from God. God, however, does not want sinners to be lost. Did you hear that? God does not want sinners to be lost. Thus, before creating the world, he created teshuva. Teshuva means a return to God to be reunited with him. Before he created the earth, he created a means 
to return to God. Now, I'm not going to read the whole book to you, but I'm going to read the next few paragraphs. They're so rich, it's hard to believe what you can find in words. The power of teshuva is unlimited. Nothing stands in the way of teshuva. It mends and remedies everything. You know, I know many of you probably are listening to me and you're in terrible turmoil today. Terrible turmoil today. Some of you are probably in prison, or I don't know if you get YouTube in prison. They used to listen to my radio show in prison. I heard it from many people. Uh, it's strangely enough, you want to hear something interesting? I knew that my radio show in those years was widely received by very interesting people. I knew some prisoners listened to it. I was at Mar-a-Lago a couple of weeks, three, four weeks ago in Florida, and amongst the people, a man I didn't know, a well-dressed middle-aged white man came running up to me as I was speaking to people I knew, and he said, Savage, you kept me alive when I was in the can. I said, what? And he named the prison. He says, I was in the same prison there where we were, uh, whatever's not Weinstein, the other one, Epstein was in, and he said, I was there for uh, two years. And he said, I listened to you every night in an earphone. You kept me from going insane. I said, wow, I had no idea. So I know many people read the Bible in prison. I know many people read the Bible in prison. Strong men, big men, tough men, murderers. Some of the meanest people on earth find God in prison. Right? So why do you have to wait to kill someone to find God? Remember I interviewed a Jewish gangster a couple of years ago? Not the most recent Jewish gangster, a wonderful man. Before him, an actual murderer who killed 13 men. What, a, what, a, what an interview that one was. Power of teshuva is unlimited. Nothing stands in the way of it. It mends and remedies everything. It removes a burdensome past and opens the door to a new future. It signifies renewal, rebirth, becoming a different, a new person. Moreover, it is immediate. It's immediate medicine. A single thought or meditation of teshuva instantaneously removes one, moves one from the depths and despair of sin to the heights of reunification with God. Now listen to that. When have you last heard that you can change your life with one thought? I never heard that. Many of us think, oh, we got to go to church for two years. to We got to do this for 10 years to, to recover. We got to do a sentence to recover. Look what it says. This is ancient stuff from the ancient literature, not modernistic things. Renewal, rebirth, a different person. It is immediate, a single thought or meditation of teshuva. A single meditation of teshuva. What is teshuva? Did I tell you what it is? What is teshuva? We know what selichot is. Teshuva means a return to God, to be reunited with him, just to repeat what I said earlier from this book. It removes a burdensome past. Instantaneously moves you, meaning one, from the depths and despair of sin to the heights of reunification with God. Wow. A single thought or meditation for the essence of teshuva is in the heart, in man's mind. In other words, it's there. You're not reaching out for it. You're reaching in for it. My words. You're not reaching out for it. You're reaching in for it. Because everything is within us, from the worst to the best, from the depths to the heights of humanity. It's all in you. Single thought of meditation for the essence of teshuva is in the heart of man's mind, in man's mind. Sincere regret of the sins committed, be they sins of omission or commission, sins of omission or commission. You know, you look at these words, these translated words from the ancients in Hebrew, you understand why the Jewish people are well known to be so well versed in so many fields, many of them erring, by the way, using their fields of knowledge for the wrong things, which is a little political, but I won't go into it. We know about the crooked lawyers. We know about the brilliant crooked lawyers, be they Jewish or otherwise, who use their genius to twist the law in order to screw people or rob them. We know about that. Horrible. Horrible. Just terrible. Regret of the sins committed, be they sins of omission or sins of commission. Look at the fine, the fine difference here, omission or commission. Look at how a word 
Remember, I wrote this years ago. To the Hebrew, the word is the deed. I never knew what that meant. I read it. I wrote it down years ago. To the Hebrew, the word is the deed, because we're the people of the book, the people of the word. You can laugh all you want when you see the Epsteins and the Weinsteins and the, 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 the Zuckerbergs. You can go crazy from what has become with my people. I don't take responsibility for them. That's their responsibility. I used to look up to Jonas Salk and the great men of my time. There are none. As a Jew, speaking to you, Jewish or otherwise, where have they all gone? Where are all the great Jews? They're gone. We used to look up to them. I was so proud to be Jewish when I was a kid. Oh, there's Jonas Salk. Where's the Jonas Salk of today? He said it's some crook somewhere with a hedge fund, some bastard who should have been thrown into hell. A crooked judge, a crooked lawyer, a crooked attorney general, a crooked this, a crooked that. Where is God? That's, you know, that's their problem, not mine. Sincere regret of the, of the sins committed, be they sins of omission or commission, and a firm undertaking not to repeat those errors. Now, here's another one, and then I, I think I've talked already too much. I didn't mean to go on this long. Proper... Teshuva seeks not only forgiveness, but also atonement. That is, listen to it, at one mint, atonement. Atonement, at one mint, at one mint, one, at one mint, atonement, at one mint, to be reunited with God. This requires more than simply leaving the past and starting afresh. It requires verbal confession of sin before God, and articulating one's pursuit of forgiveness and reinstatement in the favor of God. So this is normally done in a communal setting. During the uh, Jewish holidays of Rosh Hashanah, the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, where it is thought that God is judging us and deciding whether you'll be written into the Book of Life for next year. That comes up in usually September, around September. But I thought I'd share it with you today. I don't even know why. You think I know why I'm doing this? There's a lull going on in my soul and a lull in the world. I sense it. I am so tuned into the world, I sense a vacuum out there. There's a vacuum out there. Something's about to happen. Something so grand and great and terrifying is about to happen on earth. I don't know what it is. We're sitting here, almost all of us waiting for it. We can almost sense it. We can almost sense it. It's so close. We keep hearing this nonsense. Oh, nuclear war. That's not real to you. Biden's almost got us in a nuclear war. Never once has he reached out to stop the war. Far greater men than him and better men than him are trying to stop the war. Whether even the dictator of China is trying to stop the nuclear war. Not this friggin' moron. This psychopath that we put there. He's going to run again? People I don't even know stop me sometimes. They recognize me. They say, do you think Biden's going to run again? I said, why are you asking me that? They could be Democrats. No one can believe this. Nobody can believe that this man who has obviously got severe dementia and advanced dementia by his shuffle, by his speech, by his inability to speak, by the cue cards. How could he run again? Other than a sick, demented country that's so drugged out of its friggin' mind, they wouldn't even know if the guy is alive if he ran. They could put a corpse in a wheelchair up and run him with the machine that they own. You think they care what happens to this country? They think if it becomes Venezuela, they care? Are you joking? Come to San Francisco and not with a flower in your hair. This type of prayer goes back to the earliest sources, indeed to the earliest humans like Adam and Cain. When have you heard words like this? To the earliest humans like Adam and Cain, when have you ever heard anything like this? When do you ever hear anything about Cain and Abel anymore? When do you ever hear about good and evil anymore? Never. Never, because we have evil. So pervasive. I tell you right now, you don't have to look any further than the White House to see evil. When I saw the people behind them, and most of them are hardcore Marxist communists, so call them what you want. I know them. You can, I can read the names of them. 
So the senile disruptor stands before children the other day. Even before children, he needed a cheat sheet. He didn't know where he was. Never saw anything like this. So I made a note. I said, Biden is like a senile Lenin. A senile Lenin. That's what would be going on now. Remember in June, the president accidentally exposed a comically worded cheat sheet with detailed instructions written for him. You enter the Roosevelt room. You say hello to participants, the note read, and then directed the senile uh, fool to say, you take your seat. He read it. He said, you enter the Roosevelt room, you say hello, and then you take your seat. He read it. How can any country survive this? Now he needs a cue card that would say, you enter the assisted living facility. You say, where is my ice cream? You sit in the high chair with the straps on it so you don't fall off. It would be a joke if it wasn't true. Meanwhile, Russia and Ukraine are on the verge of something terrible. If you think Russia is going to be rolled over by the Ukrainians, you're out of your mind, which is not saying the Russians are right and the Ukrainians are wrong. I don't even want to talk about that. I want to talk about where is the diplomacy. We have hardcore psychotics running America. Psychotics running America. Psychotics. In normal times, we never would have gotten this to this place. In normal times, a president, Democrat, or Republican would have stepped in and said, stop it. We can't afford a nuclear war. But not this. This one. Look who's around him. Do I have to read the names of the people behind him? Have you not seen enough of them? Do they not understand that they're made of flesh and blood? I know they came from the Obama White House. I see the comments. We know that. We know that. It's easy to say Obama like that explains it. That doesn't explain anything. You would think that the Anita Duns of the world would understand what they've done. No. It's, it's hard to believe that there are people in this at this level of power who do not even understand the danger they put themselves in the world in. I know I'm being shadow banned. I know that there's a few likes. I'm not an influencer, okay? I, I don't count how many watch. Let me explain something to you about popularity. It means something only up to a point. And then beyond that, it means nothing. If Moses himself came back and gave a sermon on Mount Sinai, he wouldn't have as many followers as, uh, let's say, an influencer with tattoos on his eyes. Or some girl who stood up there with half of her breasts hanging out. So I, I've come to understand something. It's not the numbers of people who hear you. It's the quality of the people who hear you that matter. And so I'm looking for something I saw on my desk. I used to say this years ago on the radio, even when I first began, a long time ago. See this beautiful stone, this pebble? I said, I cast pebbles pebbles into the silent waters and I watch the ripples spread and you are the ripples you are the ripples spread the message something is about to happen am I putting myself out on a limb no because I know something's going to happen and I myself in my own way I'm praying for God's forgiveness because I have not fulfilled what he gave me, the talent he has given me. He gave me a great voice. He gave me good health. He gave me so much. And all I did was ask, all I did was ask for more. All I did was ask for more. At any moment, he could give me less. You see the hourglass running in the background. Thank you. See, some people see everything. They see the hourglass running. They see the clown behind the hourglass. Some people are very observant. Some people are so incapable, un just not able to see. So let me summarize. We're talking today about prayer for forgiveness. Selichot, sometimes said selichus, not usually said this time of year. What God revealed to Moses at Sinai as the key to forgiveness and I'm trying, I hope, on a Friday night to reach 
people of no faith, all faiths, and to make them understand the danger we are in. I feel it. I feel it so strongly, I don't even know what it is. We're very, very quiet, but something is in the air out there. And I don't care where you live. I've never seen such psychosis from corridors of power in my lifetime. Psychosis from corridors of power, never seen in my lifetime. How is it, I ask myself, that the senile disruptor in the White House, which is what I define them as, a senile disruptor, that's what they're using them for. After the uh, Christian children and others were killed by the trans maniac, the drugged up trans maniac, a few weeks ago in Tennessee, how could he make a speech? Who would write this for him if they're not insane? The trans people are the soul of our nation. When I heard that, I said, all is gone in this country. All is gone. The, the leader of the free world gets up and says, the trans people are the soul of our nation? That's tolerance? That's insanity. So who writes a thing like that for him? Who would write a thing like that for him other than an insane person? So when you have insane people who have walked away from reality, walked away from God, walked away from survival itself with their hands on the, on the trigger, I say to you, only God can save this earth. When you have the leader of a communist dictatorship, Xi, speaks to that perverted actor in Ukraine, and the perverted actor has a spokesmouth saying negative things about China now. Like he, he's so crazy with power from the tanks and the bullets and the guns and the money that we sent to that nutcase that he puts down Xi. I never saw anything like this. It's like a world upside down. No one has any balance anymore. So the diabolic nature of the Biden administration is so pervasive that they've spread a disease, a mental illness across the world. My friends, I'm only one man with one man's opinion. And this was my opinion today. Prayers for forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. All of us are imperfect. There's not a man of us who has not sinned, as I said earlier from this book. And I'll conclude this sermon today with the opening. There is no person so righteous on earth that he does good and never sins. Let me leave it at that. But there's a hope for you. We read from the ancients, sin is catastrophic. It separates one from God. God, however, does not want sinners to be lost. Thus, before creating the world, he created teshuva. Teshuva means a return to God, to be reunited with him. So when we say, may God save America, we have to do more than say, may God save America. Whether it's Jesus, whoever you're praying to, you can say the words all you want. What, what's that going to do for us? How many people prayed to God as they were shot in the back of the head by the Nazis? How many people prayed to God? How many Jews were thrown into fire pits with a, a, a prayer book in their hand? That's why the Jews learned something, a very important lesson the Jews learned from the Holocaust. You know what it was? Have a prayer book in one hand and an Uzi in the other. That's what they learned. And what have you learned? Turn the other cheek. You keep turning the other cheek, there'll be no cheeks left. Look what's going on in our cities. Look at the minority crime wave, and no one says a word. The attacks on Chinese, Asians rather, the attacks on Jews, the attacks on elderly white people, punching them in the face, pushing them in front of subway cars, and it's mainly coming from a certain minority. You have immigrants who come here, they work, they build a bodega, a grocery. They go beat them up and steal their money and try to kill them. How is that possible? No one will say what's going on. Do I have to paint you a picture? I have to paint you a picture of what's going on for you to understand what's happened as a result of the big lie? Prayers for forgiveness. And it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or you believe in idols. It doesn't matter to me. Mesoamerican, pretty old piece of clay. 
What did they believe in? Were they evil? Some were good, some were evil. Some Aztecs cut the hearts out of others, threw them down a pyramid. I'm sure they were good Aztecs. You know what this prayer card is? It came to me once from who? Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, they left it in my door once. Great people, the Mormons, wonderful people. I don't judge other religions. I don't judge, I don't sit in judgment. And I want you not to judge people and say, if they, if they don't follow your way, there's no way. That's stupid. There's only one way. What is that way? Every civilization on earth knows that without family, without man and woman, and without children raised by man and woman, there is no civilization. It goes. And so when you have people who cannot reproduce, pretending that they're women, and people don't stand up and say, you belong in a mental hospital. You're not a woman. You're a man who likes to dress as a woman. You're a man who likes to have sex like you're a woman, but you're not a woman. You're not a woman. Do you know what an insult that is to a woman? Now you understand there never was a woman's movement. You finally understand it? It was all a, a charade. Bella Abzug, National Organization for Women. Are you joking? They were never for women, or they'd be screaming about these trans maniacs who were attacking women in sports and everywhere else, or walking with their schmeckle out into a, a, a girl's locker room. Who would have accepted this? So pray for forgiveness because there's something in the air. And I think that after 32 minutes of my sermon, I'm through. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end no dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight. And learn too late, they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death, who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height. Curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Thank you for listening. May God be with you. Good night, I'm Michael Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.